0: Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Well, good morning, church. It's so good to see you morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Heather. I'm the adult ministry pastor here at Graceland. I also have the honor to serve alongside my husband, Stephen, as the recovery ministers here. And um, I have to tell you that Pastor Nathan is not here today. He is sick. And let me tell you, he does not take lightly not being here. He really, really tried. Right up until last night, I was like, you sure? (laughs) Um, And he really tried. He waited to the last minute, but he's homesick. And we're just glad that we are able to provide him that space to rest and get well. And we pray that that happens uh, quickly for him. So uh, today I want to share with you about a life at Jesus' feet. And I'm going to be looking quickly through John 11, Luke 10, and Mark 14. Some of the scripture will be up on the screen for you today. But I want to talk with you this morning about what it looks like when we walk through discouragement, when we walk through disappointment, because we discover a lot about ourselves, right? We discover who we are. We have this self-discovery that takes place when we walk through hard times. We not only find out who we are, we find out where we are, and the only place that we should find ourselves in the midst of disappointment and discouragement and darkness is at the feet of Jesus. Oftentimes, I've heard people say that this is a very lowly place. Why would we find ourselves there? But in fact, it is the highest place that we, as Jesus followers, uh, can place ourselves in times of, of, of hard times and difficult times. And when I think about being discouraged, when I think about uh, being in the middle of disappointment and hard times, I can't help but to think of Mary and Martha after their brother Lazarus had just died. There were some very distinct characteristics between Mary and Martha. Some of you know the story. In John 11, verses 1 through 6, it talks about on Jesus' arrival, Lazarus had been in the tomb here now for four days. And this is significant because they believed that within the first three days of death, the spirit could actually return to a man. It was this superstitious belief that was common in Judaism in the first century. So Martha and Mary here, they dreamed of their brother being resurrected they could taste it like they thought it's going to happen yesterday so report gets to jesus and it says your friend lazarus is sick and the word tells us that jesus loved them he loved them and he said this sickness isn't unto death but it's for the glory of god How many times in our lives when we are discouraged and we find ourselves in discouragement, maybe it's in a a business failure or our bad diagnosis that we might have gotten, do we believe, we actually believe that Jesus loves us so much when we're in that moment? Who can say that I walk through disappointment and I walk through darkness and the first thing that I say is Jesus loves me so much? It says Jesus loved him. So he stayed where he was for two more days. So that doesn't seem to jive for us. Like if we read that, we think if he loved them so much, why did he stay for two more days? But Jesus waited until after their time period so that he could reveal his glory. Amen. And I wonder, is God waiting past the point of your expectation in the natural so that his strength can really kick in? He showed up after four days. Jesus let the story play out and and realities come forth about Mary and Martha's hearts. And I believe so much that it is connected to the Luke 10 season. In Luke 10, 38, Jesus comes into a town called Bethany. It's south of Jerusalem. And, uh, and of the two sisters, Martha immediately starts to prepare a meal. You've heard this story, I'm sure. Um, he starts to prepare a meal for Jesus and the disciples. In verse 39 through 42, Mary sat at Jesus' feet listening. She heard the word. But Martha... Martha was distracted. And sometimes we can get so busy and, and so distracted by our disappointments that we forget to just be with him in it. To just sit at his feet and encounter him. And Mary does the most revolutionary thing here. And I think that, that maybe Mary is a prophetic sign to the church in this hour. Do you find yourself at Jesus' feet with with a Bible open, with our mouths closed, just listening? Have you learned to prioritize a time and a place that no devil can talk you out of? The holiest of holy moments in our days, at his feet, just hearing the word. I've heard it put this way. If you want to put hell on notice, find yourself on your knees with a certain time allotted to God every single day. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. But you see, we get so caught up in our own agenda and our own plans that when discouragement seeps in and we don't know what to do, we get in a tailspin and then we try to play God. It says, she sat at his feet, and she made sitting at his feet her primary focus. You see, I don't really believe that this story is about Martha versus Mary. Like, which one should we be or not to be? We need both, right? We need both. What I believe it is, is I believe it's Mary before Martha. Our primary source of identity is not what we do for God. It's who we are to God. We should be sure that our primary focus in the natural is a Bible. And a heart open where we just fall madly in love with him in that secret place. That's where God will begin to birth works out of us that will change the world around us. That's where we fight our battles when the discouragement and the disappointment seep in. The confusion of wondering, did I even hear God? If you don't learn that first, if you don't take that spot first at the feet of Jesus the enemy will pull you down so fast. The majority of the church, the big C church, I'm not talking about our church in particular. We love meetings, we love worship nights, but we don't know what to do with God and a Bible we barely even know. And we have to go on this journey when we experience difficulties we go on this journey and it almost feels like we're dealing with God alone and we don't know what to do. We're like, what do I do? What do I say? Maybe it begins with not talking. Maybe it begins with listening. And Mary did the most revolutionary thing. She's like, I refuse to miss this moment. The Son of God is at my house. In Luke 10 This season, you know, Martha didn't learn to find glory in the moment when Jesus was in her home. She didn't learn to live outside that whirlwind around her where every circumstance is where her emotions are, right? Then crisis hits her life. And her brother dies. So they know that Jesus got the letter. We're going to go back and forth a little bit with this story today. They know that Jesus got the letter. Have you ever cried out to Jesus for the thing that you wanted most, for the breakthrough that you felt like you needed the most and it didn't look like what you thought it should look like? I know I have. I'm preaching to somebody today who needs to get some determination back, a spirit that says, I will not give up and I will not let up because I know what God has promised me, amen? When he, what he started, he is going to finish, and I will find everything I need in this life in a posture of being at the feet of Jesus. In John chapter 11 verses 17 through 43 Jesus shows up here in John 11. He shows up 4 days late. What happens when Jesus shows up 4 days late? I mean, we know that he wasn't really late because his timing is perfect, right? He's never late. He's a on-time God. But to them, he's late. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. It wasn't very far. And many Jews had come to comfort Mary and Martha during this time um, in the loss of their brother. So, so they came and they comforted them, but there's only so much that they could do, right? And, and, and I believe there's only so much our friends can do for us as well. There are some things in our life that we need, we, we need to take to Jesus, and we need to say, I need Jesus for this job. I need the master for this. I need the healer. I need the great I am, the bread of life, the light of heaven. I need Jesus, and I am I going to stay in a posture of at the feet of Jesus. That will be my posture. In John eleven twenty one, Martha heard Jesus was coming, and she went out to meet him. But Mary, it says, stayed home. It says she's pacing, and you can picture. She's probably like, where is he? They, he said he got the letter. Why isn't he here? And Mary's sitting in the house. We all have different ways that we deal with discouragement and disappointment. And Martha She met him at the gate. She went out, and it says she runs to Jesus. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Now, to me, this sounds a little bit manipulative of Martha to Jesus, but that's just me. So she comes to Jesus at the gate. And this is interesting because every other time he came to Bethany, she let him in her house. Not this time. And I think this is profound because I love how God will come as far as we let him in our life. So she met him at the gate. This is a story about a man named Lazarus, but it's really a story about whatever you brought in here with you today. Whatever you brought that's that's been weighing you down and keeping you in discouragement and disappointment. It's about how we handle what happens in the, the delay, what happens in the darkness, in the discouragement, in the lonely feelings when we're like, Where are you, God? Has anybody ever been there? Delay of a promise, a delay of a breakthrough. Ask yourself, what did you do in the delay? What did you do? Jesus says, Your brother will rise again. And she's like, I know, at the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. You see, resurrection isn't just coming. Resurrection is here. Don't start depending on all your theology when you get into situations like this, right? Um, And don't start looking at your friends. Look at your faith. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will have life. It's pretty simple. And Jesus is like, you're missing the point. He's like, you keep trying to prove my presence by what I do. But I didn't do what you wanted me to do so that you can see who I am. He says, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And in John eleven twenty six, 26, he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And she answers, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah. She met him at the gate and she confronted him and she confessed her faith in him, even in the absence of a miracle that she so desperately needed. And it seems like she's saying, you didn't do what I wanted you to do, but that doesn't change my understanding of who you are. I don't know really if that's what she meant. When she said that, but that's what I wanna preach. I wanna preach that kind of faith so that when you're waiting and, 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 and you won't change, that your situation doesn't change, that you won't change your mind about who God is. Maybe for you, it's if only those parents didn't raise me, if only they didn't abuse me, if I wasn't betrayed. If I wasn't abandoned, insert whatever it is in your life. If you would have stopped it, God. If you would have just prevented it. If you can do all things, God, why didn't you? Anybody ever been in that place before? Why didn't you do what I needed you to do? Uh, The things that I've seen you do for others, I saw you heal people, and I saw you touch people's lives. I saw you take better care of people who treated you worse. Ever felt like that? But see, we confuse his love with our agenda. We want him to align to us when we really need to align To him, and the only way that we can do that is at his feet. Now, listen. I know I talk about Israel quite a bit when I'm up here, and I'll continue to talk about it. Um, The miracle of how I even got there to go there so many times is a story in itself for another day. But but going there changed my life. It changed the way that I read the Bible. It changed my relationship with my savior. It changed my ministry and my preaching. It changed everything about me. I fell in love with the country and it was like falling in love with the Bible all over again. So today I wanna share with you, I, my first trip, I wanted so badly to go to Bethany. I was like, we asked our tour guide, I was like, can you take us to Bethany? And he's like, nobody has to go to Bethany there's nothing happening there. And he's like, I don't think, uh, you know, we'll have time today. Almost a year later on my last trip this summer, I asked the guy, I was like, any chance you could take us to Bethany? And he was like, "Uh I mean, we can drive through, but there's really isn't anything you want to see there to get out at. I was like, Great, take me there And it was the end of the day And I was with, Cricket was with me Wherever she is, I don't know where she is But Cricket, there you go, she was with me We had been at the Dead Sea, we were tired I think her and our other friend might have even been fallen asleep Like great, Heather's dragging us to Bethany um, And we pull up into Bethany And there's a slide of what Bethany looks like today There's the streets of Bethany You can see not much There's another one of, of Bethany there Another picture there of what's happening Doesn't look like much And then the next one here this is the spot that I was like, take me here. So this, most of the things in Israel, the, the places, there's been churches built on top of them. And so this is a Greek Orthodox church, and that blue door right there has been said to be the location of the gate. And I just picture Mary running out there to Jesus. So there you have it. Okay, so verse 28. She runs back to Mary, Martha does. And Mary is sitting in the house. And Martha says, the master has come and he's asking for you. I think that's funny that she says that because it doesn't actually say in the text that Jesus asked for her. But Jesus is telling Martha, you missed Luke 10. Why don't you go back and learn how to sit before me? Learn the secret that Mary learned. See, Martha talked a great game, but I'm not sure she really believed what she said. So when Mary heard this, it says she got up quickly and she went to him. Jesus was not in the village. It tells us. So so he's still out by the gate. He was still at the place, it says, where Martha had met him. He will stand where you need him to stand, and he will come as far as you invite him in. So listen, if you choose to keep God at a distance, Scripture tells us he stood at the gate. And let me tell you, the further you keep God away, the bigger space that you leave for disappointment and darkness. And the devil is just waiting around and prowling for that. So Mary goes to the exact same spot, and she says the exact same thing that Martha said. But the Word of God tells us that Mary, she said it with tears in her eyes. I heard a pastor share one time about this that how you can say the exact same thing which we kind of know from two different places and in this case uh, one could be an accusation from God from Martha and the other from Mary a statement of faith that doesn't understand what's going on and maybe even a little bit frustrated. And Mary's like Lord I know who you are but I don't understand. When he saw her And when he saw her pain, he participated in it. The Lazarus factor is not only that God gives miracles, but that he is with us in the pain. He is with us in our disappointment and loss and frustration. When life seems like 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 it looks very different from what we think that it should look like, he is with us in it and jesus or and she says lord if you have if you would have been here my brother wouldn't have died and how did jesus respond to that the word tells us he groaned in the spirit We're getting into holy ground here when we start pulling a groan out of God. And I think it's interesting to note, if we look back, he asked Martha, do you believe this? But what did he ask Mary? He asked Mary for a location. He said, where did you lay him? Take me to that place. Not the place where everybody else sees, but the place where you kind of buried your dream. Maybe for you today, you buried your belief in God. What was it for you? Was it a rejection? He says, Take me to that place. Was it a huge loss? Was it a betrayal? That place. Is it a place where you feel exhausted? He says, take me to that place. Did you feel embarrassed or shame? He says, that place. Is it an illness? That place. Is it abandonment? Is it a relationship breakdown? He says, take me to that place. You see, everybody has a Lazarus. Everybody has a turn that that our life took at some point that we didn't see coming and that God didn't prevent And as simple as this message may be, I think it's one of the deepest ones we will ever hear in Scripture. Because God is saying, take me to that place. The place where you laid him down. Where you stopped being optimistic. Where you started just going through the motions. He says, take me to that place where you just learn to manage rather than fighting it. And they're like, this way. And then it says in verse 35, it says, Jesus wept. The shortest verse, but I believe this was such a holy moment because with Jesus surrounded by people, Tears fell from the eyes of the Son of God. Jesus wept. He wept with his friends. He didn't give a theological or robotic answer to them or some kind of response. It says he wept. He was actually connected to his friends and the storyline of Mary, and it cut him to the core. Jesus wept. He dries his tears and he says, roll the stone away. And Martha, here comes Martha. She says, Jesus, I'm sure he stinks by now. What she's really saying is, actually, I don't believe. I'm just hiding behind my Bible verses and my bumper stickers because I actually don't believe. And he's like, didn't I tell you if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Jesus says, Father, I thank you that you hear me and that you always hear me. And then he says, Lazarus, come forth. And a man who had been dead for four days walks out of a tomb because Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. In John 11, it it talks about the lineup and it says, and it was that Mary that he said who anointed um, him with her oil going to ask the band to come back up in mark chapter 14 verses 3 through 9 we will now see the last of mary of bethany mary only said one phrase in the bible one phrase in scripture lord if you had been here my brother wouldn't have died in luke 10 all she did was look at jesus and listen to him and he defended her and then he's going to defend her one last time. It's two days before Jesus is going to be crucified. It's Passion Week and Jerusalem is hostile. And so it's too hectic in Jerusalem. And so he goes to Bethany and he's sitting at the house of Simon the leper. And in Mark 14, it says that a woman came having an alabaster flask of very costly oil, a spikenard. And she came and broke the flask and poured it on his head. And they're like, why is this fragrant oil being wasted? It could have been sold and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. And Jesus breaks in and he defends her. He said, Leave her alone. She has done a good work for me. You always have the poor, but you won't always have me. She has come to anoint my body for burial. Surely I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the world, what this girl has done is a memorial to me. The disciples who were jockeying over who was gonna sit at the left and who was gonna sit at the right. right, And she says, I can care less about any of that stuff. The son of God is here and I wanna love him with my life. You see, one day we are gonna stand before God and he's going to ask, where did you pour out your life? Because it's going to be poured out somewhere. Don't give your time and your energy and your mind and your disappointments and your failures to the devil, friends. Are we going to get stuck and let the enemy have power over the life that God has for us that he created for us? Or are we going to find ourselves like Mary with less words and more action? Jesus said, none of you get that I'm going to die. And she's like, not only do I see you, but I saw you coming. And I'm going to take my life and I'm going to prepare it for you. And he's like, what this woman did, it will be told as a memorial. Jesus said, wherever the gospel is preached, we will never hear another word about Mary of Bethany. She will never have a healing ministry or an apostolic ministry. We will never hear of her doing one more thing in scripture, but she got something even greater. Jesus is like, guys, you're going to preach the gospel in all the earth. And when you proclaim that Jesus came and he died and he resurrected and he's coming back again, when you proclaim that and people ask, what does life look like that's been impacted by the gospel? Like a life at Jesus' feet, a life that, that when it seems like I'm four days late on what you dreamed of, he says, tell them this story. was a person who was impacted by the gospel, who lived a poured out life at Jesus' feet. Some of you today may feel very unknown, unseen, but you are creating an eternal memorial in heaven. It's not about the man or the women of God on a stage or this anointed person or that anointed person. It's about a sacrificial love in silence, in weakness, in quiet when nobody sees us. When you're so dissatisfied and discouraged and you're not really sure if you're aligning your plan for your life with Jesus' plan for your life, you're at his feet you're at his feet that's the stuff that moves heaven that's the good stuff and that's what I want to go after and do you know that scholars say that with that oil that Jesus would have still been smelling it when he was on the cross. That what she gave him was in the upwards of what we would consider today about $30,000 worth. You see, the religious church, they will always criticize us for extravagant worship and extravagant love. But today we say, I am here to Pour out my life at the feet of Jesus, no matter what. No matter what. Every one of us has a Lazarus. And the question isn't, you know, really whether we have a Lazarus. It's about what are we going to do about it. Remember to be Mary before Martha. Being a Mary of Bethany to Jesus. There was something so special about her, literally and figuratively. She lived a life at Jesus' feet, in her brother's death, in her sadness, in her finances. And I just want us to declare as a family today, that we are going to stand and say, he is faithful no matter what. Who will join me today and say, I'm here to live a poured out life at Jesus's feet. Will you stand with us today as we sing together? And if you're feeling today like, I don't feel this, just declare it over your life and say, Jesus, I'm going to live a poured out life at your feet. I'm coming to you first. Enough, isn't he? Jairo, you are enough. If he watches over the sparrow, how much more? His eye is on the sparrow and we know he watches us. Amen. He's just that good. And he's just that faithful. hope and prayer is that we really as a church family commit to live a life at Jesus feet whatever it takes even when it's hard God we just give this to you today God we thank you for the word we thank you for the message that you told them to tell As a memorial to tell that story we thank you god we thank you when we can't see it we thank you when the tears can't stop coming and we don't understand it we praise you in it and we give you all glory and we will wait for the glory we will wait to see your glory whether it's four days or four years or four months we trust you You are an on-time God who's never late. You are an on-time God. Amen. Amen. We're so glad you joined us this morning. We do have a few announcements before you go. I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. Um, We're going to take our offering here in just a minute. We want to thank our... Uh, vital partners in giving we know that many of you give online and we thank you for that we'll pass the baskets um, in just a minute we have a few things coming up today right after this service we have a youth hang pizza party until two o'clock we'll get you home in time for the super bowl today um on this super bowl sunday um so right after this um ages uh Grade six through twelve. We're having a little pizza party until two o'clock. We also have Bible studies happening. We are only one week in on Bible studies, so it's not too late to jump in and join. On Monday nights, we have a study right here in this room called "The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi." It's women only. And then on Wednesday mornings, we have a women's study um, that is about numbering our days. I went last week, and I was so blessed by it to be able to be there as a part of that. It was it was a sweet time to. And the men also meet on Wednesday mornings at 9.30. Um, Pastor Rob Rates leads their study. There's sign-ups out in the foyer if you want to get on the list so we can prepare for you for next week or this week. Some of them will be this week and some will be next week. We also have Celebrate Recovery that meets every Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. Um, And once the baskets are passed, I'm just going to, if you want to stand as James continues to worship, and I'm going to pray this uh, blessing over you today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Have a wonderful week, church family. We love you very much.